its potential to blur the lines between internal and external stakeholders could really benefit large corporate institutions to really bring in the voice of their customer and their biggest brand advocates to help improve the company image and maintain market share. And there's so many different applications, I think, where sort of stakeholder engagement can go for a large corporation. But it's all about providing rewards and incentives through this limited scarcity of a, a tokenized engagement with the company that's secured by the blockchain, essentially. Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Connor Borrego. Connor is going to talk to us about NFTs, the metaverse, Web3, but more importantly, what it means for you, the business professional. Connor, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Hey, Tom. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to talk NFTs Web3 with you. I know it's a big topic right now, and I'm sure a lot of the business executives that listen to this podcast have a lot of questions. So, Connor, what is your academic and professional background? So, I did my undergrad with the University of Michigan, where I studied political science and entrepreneurship. And then I did my master's of science with Syracuse University, where I focused on data warehousing and basically artificial intelligence and business applications. So it's a hybrid between a data science and an MBA degree. Professionally, about, I guess it's been in the digital marketing industry for the last 10 years now. I had a lot of kind of pretty junior standard roles kind of at various ad tech and digital marketing firms. But the highlight of my career was landing at Google, where I did a two-year stint coaching startups that had raised between 5 and $50 million on how to profitably use Google ads to grow their business. Since then, I have left to start my own digital marketing agency. And currently, I'm building a SaaS product that's powered by Web3 to help content creators fully own the value of their first-party data. So it's a productivity and growth marketing tool for content creators. Connor, I was wondering if we could maybe start with the basics, given the audience, business executives, meaning what's an MFT, what's the metaverse, and what's Web3? We'll definitely tackle those each one by one, but it's nice that they kind of play together. So I think it's probably best to start with Web3 with Web3 sort of being this overarching concept of the next iteration of the internet and online technologies. It's helpful to kind of reflect and think about what was Web1 and Web2 before we discuss Web3. So Web1 is often kind of referred to as sort of like the read and post internet. If you were skilled enough to kind of put up your own technology stack, you could have a website or an app with minimum functionality that users could find and discover but the onus was very much on the user to kind of set up the backend technology if they wanted to have a website or any sort of digital presence. Web 2 is often referred to as sort of like the social internet, and this is the emergence of social media platforms and SaaS tools and cloud-driven technologies that take a lot of the expense and sort of like effort that goes into setting up sort of a website or an application to make it easier to create new internet tools for people. But what we've seen is a lot of centralization of the data on those platforms and 
the emergence of a $2 trillion a year data economy kind of built up on these platform technologies that have made it so easy to build new use cases, because again, they're centralizing the data on the back end while they're doing that, which gets us to Web3 technologies, which is kind of focused on a user-owned internet and the idea that if we provide users with sort of this standard socket to encrypt and hold their data, they can plug it into any application or website they use, giving them privacy and protection while they operate on the internet without losing the functionality of today's modern technologies that emerged from the Web2 platforms. That's Web3 in a nutshell. So how does or how will 3Mergent Digital tie all of these together for the content creator? Yeah, so Emergent Digital is my marketing agency. So right now, basically, if you're a brand or an artist that's looking to mint your own NFTs, we're providing those services in addition to regular web development, application development, and digital marketing services. But this is actually more so where UniPro comes in, which is our software tool that we're productizing. What it is, is it's trying to be that wallet that you would custody all of this first-party data within that would allow you to plug into additional applications. So for the most part, it's about standardizing the various tables and functions that we're presenting information to for a software interface. So if you think about something like a CRM, for example, or an accounting system, the use cases are fairly repetitive, no matter the software provider, which means we can map and ingest the data in a standardized way that makes two different software systems data sources comparable. And that is kind of this essence of Web3 composability. And so that is what we're working on doing, but we're doing it for content creators because most of their operations and systems live online already. So the technology or the, the data streams that we would need to ingest are pretty representative of their entire business operations. You used a term I wanted to ask you the definition of, and that's wallet. Could you explain what a wallet is? A crypto wallet is what I'm talking about when I'm discussing that. For most people, it is going to be thought of as an application that you run on your phone or on your web browser that provides you with what is a password manager for various blockchain technologies like Bitcoin or Ethereum. And this wallet, they call it a wallet because to interact with applications built on the blockchain, you need to be holding the native token to interact and pay the computer for using the application. And so that's where cryptocurrencies being held in a wallet and where the name comes from is an application to manage your tokens when you're interacting with the various blockchains. You said a lot in there that I think is going to resonate in the compliance and greater business community. But I wanted to start with what is first party data and how is that data used? So first party data is the data that uh, an organization themselves are collecting relative to their business operations and their potential customer base. So this can range from everything from your website visitor logs to any sort of surveys that you email to your customers. But the idea of first-party data is that it's your company, your brand's centralized intelligence relative to your business specific. What makes this different than third-party data is often third-party data is basically the data you're purchasing from part 
data vendors, usually to enrich your first party data. Where this becomes more of an issue is with the advertising technology space where cookie systems are incredibly dependent on third-party data for their precision targeting of advertising placements, as well as for informing the advertising technology about advertising performance in general in order to train artificial intelligence systems that are running those ad platforms. And many of those use cases are incredibly invasive to user privacy by passing these breadcrumb trails of your activity from one website to the next, which we've seen the negative consequences of in various political elections and other sort of different social campaigns that are sparking controversy kind of in the cultural conversation. But that's the distinction between first party and third party data is, did you collect it directly from the user yourself or are you purchasing it from an outside vendor? Connor, one of the things that excites me the most about the Metaverse Web3 and the integration that you've talked about is what I understand one of the key purposes is to drive stakeholder engagement. And I certainly understand that for an artistic creator, whether that be a musician, an artist, maybe a podcaster. But what I see is this has huge implications in the greater corporate world because what you want is stakeholder engagement. You've talked about user data for targeted marketing or other communications, I see that same concept to engage internal corporate stakeholders, i.e. employees. So if I've got it right that an integrated metaverse can drive stakeholder engagement, could you say a few words about that? Yeah. So I hadn't given too much thought to the internal stakeholder engagement concept that you just raised there, but I do think there's probably quite a bit of potential that exists, it would be sort of a inverted approach to what we're seeing with a lot of the DAOs, where I think the concept in digital marketing that's kind of floating out there is called the headless brand. And it's the idea that someone's putting an image, a brand aesthetic, as well as values out there and creating a community of stakeholders around that concept and giving them ownership in the development of that brand and the use case of an application of that brand. But for existing brands like large corporations, to your point about internal stakeholders, yeah, I've actually been in discussions with several different CEOs of you know, scaling startups who are discussing building employee education systems that reward their users with NFTs that are redeemable within the organization for certain benefits that could be cash-related, performance-related. It's limited to the imagination of the HR teams that are putting together this sort of benefit program. But a lot of it seems to be centered around employee education from the one instance that I'm really kind of building this use case off of. But I think this extends beyond the internal stakeholders to the external stakeholders because we've seen Pepsi release their own NFT collection to Web3 enthusiasts who also enjoy the Pepsi brand. And so I think it's potential to blur the lines between internal and external stakeholders could really benefit large corporate institutions to really bring in the voice of their customer and their biggest brand advocates to help improve the company image and maintain market share. And there's so many different applications, I think, where sort of stakeholder engagement can go for a large corporation. But it's all about providing rewards and incentives through this limited scarcity 
of a, a tokenized engagement with the company that's secured by the blockchain, essentially. You said something I absolutely have to acknowledge you for. You said we're only limited by our imaginations. I use that phrase as often as I can. So first of all, kudos for saying it. Kudos to applying it to HR. But that's what excites me the most about all of this. And do I understand the specific tactics? Probably not very well. But what I see is exactly what you said. We are literally only limited by our imagination. And my wife's company, Stickers, I'm going to put up a yellow sticky pad, but stickers are a huge deal in her company. And they send them to each other or post them. But from what you said, why can't I use an NFT as a sticker? And why can't I do that same concept internally and reward employees with something they value? You or I might not value it, but it doesn't matter if it's of value to someone. So you have really crystallized my thinking in this. So kudos for that. If I could maybe step back and ask about your work with creatives and how you help a creative develop a long-term strategy in this arena. The basis of this kind of comes from my first-party data strategy paired with paid advertising analytics. This is the main reason I'm going after creators first is because I think this will be the most affordable way to build my tool. And the reason for that is creators' products often are given away for free, and they're usually digital in the form of an image, a video, or an audio clip. So we have pretty predictable format, and we have very low friction kind of access to get get valuable engagement from the customer on behalf of the creative. So essentially, when you're trying to train, for example, Google Ads to improve the quality of your paid traffic to your site, and you're starting with a brand new account, how I always like to get started is by utilizing two specific engagement metrics until I reach a benchmark threshold. And what I mean by that is that I will use uh, two page views or 45 seconds on the site, and I will make that one of those, the conversion action that your Google Ads account is going to train itself to get at the best price. And once it starts accomplishing that at the interval of 30 successes in a two-week period, I start upping the constraints, moving it from two pages to three pages. And I repeat the process until I've got the page volume and traffic to a point where successes such as purchases of my merchandise, purchases of tickets available to my shows, as well as subscribing to my direct audience communications by providing me your email address or phone number in large enough volume to choose those as the successful conversion actions. But at that point, what I'm doing, because I'm training it towards those various steps and it goes engagement, sharing personal information, purchasing, those are the three stages that I tend to think about it in. We are working to build your first party data because all of that website visitor data is useful to analyze what creative that you're sharing, the content on your site is driving the most performance in collecting the next stage's outcomes. So allowing you to double down where your success is. And at the same time, each level you achieve increases the probability that you're making money on your advertising investment, which is the ultimate goal. 
And the break-even point for most people is somewhere past $20,000 on either Google ads or Facebook ads. So it's more about continuity of building that data set and enriching it over time to kind of achieve those outcomes. And why I say it's easiest to do with content creators is, again, their product is the content, and I'm just trying to sell them on additional products after the fact. Whereas if you're a SaaS or you know, you're a service-based business, oftentimes you have to do a fair amount of consumer education or buyer education before you can even get them in for a meeting, and then it goes down your sales process. So it's much cheaper to do an engagement-focused campaign which is part of the reason, again, why I was focusing on content creators for the commercialization of this tool. Let me see if I could translate what you said accurately into compliance speak, because I think it's really close if I got it right. It's assessment, it's monitoring after you set up the tool to measure what you've done, and then it's using that information on a continuous improvement basis to further refine your product or service offering going forward. Exactly. And all I'm responsible for doing is choosing the success metric that we're, this continuous improvement algorithm is doing on its own and continuing to move that success metric as it starts to achieve it with a statistically significant predictable interval. You have just articulated a best practices compliance program. Thank you. That oh. was fabulous. Let me ask you to maybe look down the road a little bit and Obviously, lots of conversations around crypto right now, lots of conversations around NFT. If I could ask you to not really speculate on crypto, but focusing on NFTs, where do you see that down the road in 2025 or even beyond? So I think there's a couple of distinctions to make. If we're talking about the collectible NFTs, I think that the NFTs is artwork as a collectible is going to continue to grow. I think it's going to reflect more of the existing art market with time mostly because I think traditional artists will eventually adopt registering their artwork to the blockchain for the benefits that that registration will provide them. That's true for digital artists as well. For these collectible profile pictures, which is what I'm going to call them, which encompasses a variety of use cases from video games to interactive comic and storybooks to potentially animation brands down to physical country clubs that have online membership, essentially. These collections, I think it's going to be sort of more of a crapshoot what actually happens with them. They've been allocated a fair amount of funding. Not all of them have been able to execute on their vision with the funding they've received. So if they continue to receive additional funding, maybe they get there. But it feels to me like we'll see sort of a washout, like a lot of sort of what we see with startups, more or less where it's something like one in 10 succeeds. There's some projects out there that are quote unquote blue chips that you can feel kind of safe about, but I wouldn't necessarily want to speculate on which ones those are beyond CryptoPunks and Board Ape Yacht Club, because I think those are the only two that would have broad consensus. But those projects, I think, aren't going to continue to pump out. Like We'll continue to see them come out, but I don't think it's going to be this screaming investment kind of hype that it's been for the last few years. We might see one or two more periods where these things sort of really take off. But I think what's going to happen is a lot of saturation with the hype of that is going to make it, we're going to get in the long tail of these projects and it's going to be very fractionalized and the high concentration of value in any one collection, we're not going to see that again. 
and not to speculate on cryptocurrency or NFTs too much, we haven't seen a mass consumer adoption product kind of come out yet beyond a crypto wallet. And I think the first dApp that sort of reaches a couple million users or a couple millions in transaction on top of it, it's not also a marketplace for NFTs, will start to see more of these products emerge. And that's going to mark the start of the next crypto rally is going to be the emergence of one of these products. And I think based on what I was seeing last September, my expectation is for one product like that to emerge as early as potentially next summer. And that's just based on the past metrics around startups and how long it takes one of them to go from zero to their millionth user. And it's about 18 months for something like this. And so I saw kind of some significant investment in technologies that made sense to me that could emerge in that time period. And the earliest that would be is next summer. And what I think that they're doing differently is providing an onboarding process that really brings the user data value side of this to consumers in a tangible way. And what they need to do is to simplify the onboarding process in order to kind of achieve that breakthrough for consumers, I think. And Coinbase to me feels very close, but the utility of it as an application is still very limited at this point. Connor, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself or really any of the topics we've touched on in this podcast, what would be the best place for them to go? I would say go to our website, unipro.com. That's unipro with a zero. We have some guides on there for digital marketing to Web3, and uh, you can learn about any of the topics we're discussing here today. Connor, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. It's been a long slog for us to get together, but I'm really glad we finally did. And I hope we can continue this conversation. Absolutely. And I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. I would love to talk NFTs Web3 anytime. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review. 